Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. After a month-long absence, the dynamic duo of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour has been reunited. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. We're coming to you for the next hour here uh, after I've been gone for the last month, uh, hanging out with my newborn, Randy, talking by himself into a microphone for 45 minutes at a time, which is no small feat. Congratulations. Randy, but I, I personally am happy <laughs> to be back here with you, and I'm I, and personally I, I happy to have you back. Welcoming me with open arms. I welcome you with anything you want. Exactly. Yes. Well, it, it's it's not nothing quite yet time where, for a beer. Nothing happened while you were gone, though, either. So yeah, it was an eventful month. It was an eventful month. I was semi proud of myself for not sending a single tweet during my absence. Although I had, I was tempted upon multiple times whether it was during the NFL draft, of which Iowa State had four players taken, and certainly during the uh, machinations of the Tyrese Hunter to the transfer portal uh, early in April. I think we have plenty to talk about that and other things because it was really, truly an eventful month for Iowa State athletics here uh, right after the end of men's basketball season, spring football wrapped up, NFL draft. There's lots to talk about, but I think it's worth starting with the NFL draft, where Iowa State had four players taken last weekend, headlined by Brees Hall, the running back to the Jets in the second round. Um, also selected in the fourth round, Charlie Kohler to Baltimore, any Uazarike to Denver, and in the seventh, Mr. Irrelevant himself, which I saw made a lot of Iowa State fans upset who are unfamiliar with the term, Brock Purdy to the San Francisco 49ers with the final pick of the final round of the NFL draft. You know, Randy, I think before we talk about the four guys specifically, a, I don't know, is it historic draft for Iowa state? Certainly the most successful draft in some time. And it really puts a cap on this era of Iowa state football that we've talked so much about over the last four or five years with the unprecedented level of success. And also the flip forward to next season where you still have some guys that have been part of the success but largely going to be a new group for Coach Matt Campbell. Yeah, it's it's the most successful draft in thirty years, forty years. It's it's been a long time, and I can't re- excuse me, I can't remember exactly, and it may be longer than that. But um, yeah, for 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 Iowa State, and especially um, you know for Matt Campbell's program, what a um, what a platform for the Iowa State football program to be to be on over the weekend, and even with Brock. Even with Brock being the seventh pick, um, that brought more light, even more light to Iowa State. So, um, you know, you and I who are around Iowa State football darn near every day, Travis, we know what Matt Campbell's program is about. We know what those players are getting once they get to Iowa State. We know that they have 
darn near destination facilities um, now. So it's 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 affirmation that that they're um, that this program is is cooking right now. And I, if you want to jump ahead to look at next year for a second, it'll, I think it I think that it continues. Um, you've got Will McDonald, who will, who maybe could have got drafted this year, possibly. You've got Xavier Hutchinson, um, who maybe could have got drafted this draft, but I think he was had some kind of hand injury or something like that. Um, you've got you've got any number of a, of a, a number of guys. Trevor Downing, um, the maybe one of the most versatile offensive lineman Iowa State has had who's played you know he's a he's this year he's playing center after being guard after being a guard um he, he does Jirel Brock keep the the running back tradition alive which which we can get into in a moment um there's all there's all kinds of uh, uh, uh Anthony Johnson um there's all kinds of 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 possibilities out there and I just threw out some some names off the off the top of my head. So all in all, the overall big picture of the, of, for Iowa state is, is, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a big feather in the cap for Matt Campbell's program. Does it give you, I mean, I think we talked a lot about this when we saw the all big 12 teams come out. And I just wondered though, like you have your best draft in however many years and you went seven and six, does it do anything to further, cement 2020 as disappointing relative not only to expectations but clearly a talent level that the NFL believed in to me it does a little bit but I think you know you you there's a bit of a balm in that that you had such a great year in in 2020 but that 2021 is going to feel forever and always the the season that never quite was what it could have been Agreed with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. And you and, and they I, can't all be historic seasons either. It's not <laughs> some great sin that they weren't able to to capitalize right. on last year. But it, I mean, it just frankly is a disappointment, right? Right. I mean, there's and no you way and I have never that. shied away from saying that. I mean, even long before today, but long before the draft affirmed that, <clears throat> we've 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 said that. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was disappointing. Um, the. the the way some of those losses happened last year, though, I mean, what was that, the 64-yard field goal, for example, um, you know, but I, it's, that's, you know, you can point back to things like that all, you know, all, all you want. But, but yeah, it, it, still, the Iowa State only had seven victories with a with a team that, in, <clears throat> dang, that included four draft choices and four more that, that are going to be in, in camps. So, so, yeah, I mean, you can make a big deal, which I have, about having four drafted, but um, there's 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 still a, a factor that okay they had four drafted. Does that now equal more victories? Yeah, I mean I think the the optimist spin on this, especially in a college athletics world where everything seems to be topsy turvy, and given you know what we saw on the men's basketball side, losing a foundational piece in Tyrese Hunter to what looks to be a name, image, and likeness uh, decision, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. I think the optimistic view of this is Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, Eni Uazarike, Brock Purdy as the drafted guys. None of them dudes were four-star recruits. They were all developmental evaluation players that Matt Campbell and his staff 
identified, targeted, retained, developed, and won with. The retained is a great, and that a great is point too. that is a sustain. If I think at this point you have to look at the guys that they've brought into the program over what now five six years, and look at that as a sustainable model in this new era of college football. Yeah, you're going to have to keep guys. I don't think college football will be as crazy on the transfer NIL front as college basketball is proving to be. So I think it'll be easier to keep players around. But when you look at, you know, we saw it on the men's basketball side, a historic run of success from 2011 to 2016, and then you fall off a cliff. I think if you look at what Matt Campbell is doing and assuming he stays for the foreseeable future, you, the model is there. And I think the model withstands the upheaval in college football because of the four guys I mentioned, plus Mike Rose, uh, Chase Allen, who else am I missing? Greg Eisworth, all the guys that Jake are not Hummel, Jake, all these guys Davis. that are going to be on NFL rosters or practice squads next year. I think you can get those type of players. This staff has shown that they can get those type of players consistently and build them into high level Big Twelve players. I think that to me, you you can you can hold two thoughts in your mind at one point or at the same time that it's disappointing to see this talent leave the program with what how how it ended in 2021, but see that the future is sustainable with this model given the track record of this coaching staff with this roster with this blueprint. The f- the four players drafted. Um, they were all they were all recruited by. They all started with Matt Campbell as as whatever as freshmen, which and they stayed through the program. So they they developed that that talent, like you said, through the grassroots at the grassroots level. By they were high school recruits, well, and like you know, Brees Hall they they plucked out of obscurity. Charlie Kohler they got out of. You know, in the shadow in Norman, of, Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> of you know Oklahoma, you know powerhouse program there. You know, so I mean, like they they've shown they can do this a lot of different ways. And let's and let's let's just break this down. Let's look at the court, uh, the the running back position, for example. Okay, in two thousand, this draft two thousand twenty two, you've got Brees. Last year's draft, you had Kane. Um, the draft, the two thousand nineteen draft, you had David. That's four running backs in whatever nineteen twenty in in three years something like that. Three running three backs. running backs in four years. That's three running backs in in four years. Now let's go back to 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 a couple others at Toledo. Um, David Flewellen, recruited by Campbell, coached by Campbell, and Kareem Hunt, recruited by Campbell, coached by Campbell. That's five running backs since 2016 or 2017 that Matt Campbell recruited, coached, and now he he'll he either pulls for or will pull for in the NFL. So that's that's pretty doggone impressive. Um, and I remember after I don't know one of the the spring practices or, or during a spring interview session I don't remember when, and I asked Jirel about this. Oh, I don't know where it was. It was at the at the bowl game. I asked Jirel about this same thing, Jirel Brock. I said to him, I said, do you recognize the fact that, that the running back success that, that Matt has had before you? And this was even this was before Brees was picked, but we knew Brees was was getting picked. And he said, absolutely. 
He said, without question, 100%. And I, he said that, that that's Iowa State, um, it's not like it's not mentioned on the recruiting trail or at least mentioned among um, among recruits. So that's having that many running backs picked at from Iowa State or Toledo that's that's pretty impressive and I yeah okay I get it there's all those 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 supplemental picks now and everything and so it's not like a it's a specific seven round draft but but um that that's 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 pretty darn impressive and to have two tight ends um Charlie getting getting drafted <clears throat> excuse me and Chase who just as well could have been drafted I spent some time with Chase um and his fiance yesterday morning um we had breakfast together and and it sounds like Chase knew there were the the Bears the Bears final pick was was Chase and between Chase and somebody else I don't remember who they picked, um, but uh, Chase knew he, before the draft was over Chase knew he was going to um, the Bears as as a free agent so and that and that's pretty cool so anyway you got two tight ends um, potentially in the NFL and I'm certainly not going to bet against against Chase Allen. Um, so as far as far as the whole Iowa State overall picture of the program, I don't think Iowa State could have could have had it any better than what they did last weekend. Randy, quickly here before we shift topics totally is you know, Iowa State wrapped up its spring football practice last month. Two open practices. I didn't see either of them, so I can't really bring anything to the table in this discussion. You didn't miss much. But what was your impression <laughs> of the uh, the couple hours that you got to see the football team? At least uh, go through the motions of playing football uh, last month. Yeah, the the quarterback thing was was a little bit interesting with Hunter Deckers and okay, he was. And there were times when they were when they were playing. You know, they scrimmaged at the end. Uh, they did a live scrimmage at the end with the refs and all that good stuff. Um, um, for probably twenty minutes at the end of maybe a half hour at the end of each of each workout of the two workouts that I saw, Hunter Deckers looked good, but he's he's it's against Iowa State and he's not getting sacked. Um, that helps when they're not allowed to hit you. That helps a lot. Um, uh, Ashton Cook, Marv, Marv Cook's boy, he looked he looked um, um, good. Rocco Becht, um, he looked he looked good as well. So I think, you know, who knows? But like I said, it was against the Iowa. It was against Iowa State. Who knows what that what that translates um, to? But but I'm high on this group of re- so high on this group of receivers. You get the ball in in the vicinity of of um, of Xavier Hutchinson. You get the ball in the vicinity of Jalen Noel. They're going to catch it. Um, so, I think I think the quarterback position, while it'll be a different type position, <clears throat> in that I think you may see some more long balls, and it won't. Let's not fool anybody. Brock Purdy was Brock Purdy statistically the best quarterback Iowa State's ever had. I don't see any of these guys. Breaking any of, breaking any of those records, but um, it's 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 uh, I don't I don't think it's a it's a position that that people need to really um, concern themselves about. The other person, the other the other position that I kind of watched was linebacker, where um, Mike Rose and <clears throat> excuse me, Mike Rose and Hummel are are gone. Um, Colby Reader. Um, a grad or a, is he a grad transfer? Maybe anyway, a portal guy from Delaware. Delaware, the Blue Hens. The, this guy's going to be good. 
this guy's going to be good. And like I said, I was talking to Chase yesterday and Chase told me, I, I asked Chase, I said, is there somebody on defense I should keep an eye on? He said, Colby Reader. This guy's this guy's good, um, it, it, and he was all over the all over the the field during the during the two scrimmages that I saw. So that that was that was interesting because with Orion Vance is the and, and Gary Vaughn are the are the two other guys back at that position, but uh, um, that position is going to have to go away to play as well as this played the last three years, maybe. So yeah, those are those are my main takeaways. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we'll talk Tyrese Hunter's transfer and what name, image, and likeness, along with the transfer portal, could mean for the future of Iowa State men's basketball. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. If you missed the first segment of the show, be sure to check out the podcast wherever it is. You listen to your podcast, breaking down the draft of last weekend for the Iowa State football team. Four players drafted, headlining by Brees Hall going to the Jets in the second round. I'm going to transition now over to TJ Otzelberger's men's basketball program, which has been kind of at the center of the sea change in men's basketball with the convergence of the transfer portal's ability to allow players to move on without sitting out a year and the pull of name, image, and likeness dollars on players and their availability to make money and be paid for ostensibly their marketing prowess, but as we all predicted a year ago and forever, for their ability to put the ball in the basket and help win games. By all accounts, Tyrese Hunter's decision to leave Iowa State was predicated predominantly, if not exclusively, on a desire to go cash in on a successful freshman season that saw him emerge as a potential NFL, or excuse me, NBA draft prospect, certainly as a high-level college basketball player, um, and a team and a point guard that can help you win games and in Iowa State's case, get to the Sweet 16. I know a lot of people have talked about this. I haven't had a chance to, uh, having been on leave. I think there's lots of angles to this. I think my my initial fundamental reaction is why I get why people are upset. I think this is how the world works in every other aspect of society, and I don't know why college sports should be different. I think the abdication of leadership by the NCAA over the last 10 or 20 years in terms of player compensation, you know, whether it's the Olympic model, whether it's pay to play, whatever you wanted to say has created a system that is frankly chaotic. Like if people want to call this chaotic, sure. If you want to call it unfair there, I disagree with you. The, the landscape has been tilted so far in the direction of athletic departments that run hundred million dollar, you know, revenue a year in a sport that creates multiple billions of dollars of of revenue for the NCAA and its member institutions. That if a kid wants to go try to make a, a few hundred thousand dollars, and in Tyrese Hunter's case, a kid who lost both his parents by the age of thirteen and lived with his brother, his older brother after that, I, I don't know that you can get too bent out of shape about somebody wanting to do that. that's kind of where I come down on it. But I also, again, hold two thoughts in my mind at the same time that it stinks for Iowa state. They got this kid. 
they really gave him a lot of responsibility. They gave him a lot of leeway that he might not have gotten in other programs and really helped him succeed to the level that he did. You know, he, he had a lot to do with it, but Iowa State certainly helped facilitate that. And, you know, from a kind of a crass position of the program building for Iowa State, Randy, you know, I talked about this right after the season, that the only thing that I think you could look at and be a little disappointed about if you're an Iowa State fan is Tyrese Hunter was really the only foundational forward-looking piece of that roster. Everybody else was probably pretty close to their ceiling or pretty close to exhausting their eligibility. And now you have that Sweet 16 berth. Nobody can ever take that away from you. But you didn't get anything from a personnel standpoint that's going to propel you into the future of the TJ Otzelberger era. And I think that's got to be a little disappointing and frustrating. And I and I get that. And I think, again, we're going to be talking about NIL for a long time, I think. And there's going to be a lot of angles to come at it. But that's, I guess, my initial thoughts here is that this is a, a situation that was, in one sense, completely avoidable if the NCAA had taken leadership on what in a lot of people, including my opinion, was an inevitability, but also you know disappointing if you're Iowa State, and I think some degree disappointing if you're Tyrese Hunter, that you're having to chain, you're having to move away from a successful situation to pursue money. And again, that happens in every segment of our society. I think there's a conversation to have. Is this the right decision long-term for Tyrese Hunter? But certainly if he's cashing six-figure checks here in the next couple months, it's hard to argue that that, uh, at least in the short to immediate term, wasn't a at least lucrative decision. Yeah, and, I, and it's... Sorry for rambling on there. Oh, that's, that's great. This is the first time you've, you, you've talked about it publicly. I mean, I've talked to you on the phone about it. But, um, yeah, I, I was, <clears throat> Iowa State can't play in this space. I, I the way it is now. I've talked to a couple major boosters, and they're not going to play in this space. They're 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 absolutely not. Um, they're from the of the belief that that um, they're they're not anti name, image, and likeness, but they're anti. $800,000 over two years or $400,000 a year and say something, you're rolling your eyes. Well, I just, <laughs> a cynic might say they're not anti that. A cynic might say that they can't afford that. A, right. Now, a cynic might say that. I'm yeah. not saying I would say that. No, a you're right. A cynic might say that. You're right. You're right. And and you talk about something that's not, yeah, exactly. And, and here, here, here's what I want. Here's what I want to say. What I want to, I don't know if anybody can, can legislate this. I don't think so. I don't think this will ever be. 100% legislated. I don't, I don't see how it can. Um, the Iowa state, Iowa state boosters, and we have to separate Iowa state from boosters because legally Iowa state per se, the university can't have anything to do with this. Um, the Iowa, the Iowa state boosters before Navy image and likeness, before the Tyrese Hunter thing, it opened their eyes. They were of the mindset that you come to Iowa state, we'll take care of you when you, when you get here with, T-shirts, whatever, which I think was primarily the the intended consequence, the intended um, um, reason for for name, image, and likeness. But when Nigel Pack and the eight hundred thousand dollars over two years, the Tyrese thing, and how much he's getting from either Kansas or Tennessee or wherever else he ends up going, 
Um, you know, and it's going to end up being the the fact that Kansas is is Kansas boosters are buying Bill Self a pretty darn good basketball team, whether Tyrese ends up there or not. But can I, I know, uh, yeah, be cynical again. No, I just I I I bristle every time I hear somebody say buying like really? you're buying a player, you're buying a team. Why are you buying players and hiring a coach? Why are you buying players and hiring support staff? What's the difference? Like, why are you not hiring these players? Why are you buying them? It just to me, it's a pejorative to these players that they don't deserve, and that is not put in the direction of any other. Again, like you're hiring coaches, you're not buying them. You and me have been hired by the Des Moines Register. They didn't buy us. Why is? And I've just heard that for the last month plus, and it, I bristle at it because I think it's unfair to the players. They're not being bought. They're being hired. And again, maybe not by the letter of the law are they being hired, but they're going to the place that will pay them the most money. I don't know that that makes them bought and paid for any more than it makes a newspaper reporter, an athletic director, a men's basketball coach, a, a plumber, an engineer, a software engineer, whoever. I just, I just bristle at that. So what should we call it then? If Nigel Pack is getting eight hundred thousand dollars over two years, he's getting eight hundred thousand dollars over two bu- years. Is that buying or is that is that that's paying? paying? That's well, paying. Well, do you say that well, Iowa State bought T.J. Otzelberger from UNLV? They literally had to pay a buyout to get him, but we don't say they bought him. Say so they hired him. To me, it's a pejorative that is unfair to to players. Okay, maybe we're talking maybe we're talking semantics too here. Oh, certainly to a degree. I will not argue. I will not dispute that fact. <laughs> Um, but okay. we, we all have our pet peeves, Randy. Is what I'm saying. So okay, so for Iowa State to, I don't, I don't know how this, I don't know how Iowa State can play in this, in this stratosphere. I, I, I don't because I, I, it's, I, I'm, I know we've, I talked about the collective over the on the last on the last podcast, um, paying an athlete ten thousand dollars to go speak to a charity, and I know you're going to roll your eyes again on this one. I'm not Speaking rolling to a charity, I know, but I, I predicted it. I predicted it. No. Um, to speak to, to charities, at least the athlete has to do something in, in, a, in a way to, to give back. Is Nigel Pack giving back any, any way in the $800,000 over two years? And I'm just using him as an example because that's when all Well, how do you know was. he's not going to donate money to charity? Like, that's unfair, too. And these other guys are being I paid see to that. do I charity? See, uh, yes, yes. And I want to see that. Yes, yes, Why absolutely. Do, you like, do you want to see how much a coach gives to charity? Again, I think we're just we applying a double. Do. We all know coaches do. But well, then I guess if we assume that, why aren't we assuming it of whoever players? I just, it feels like there's a double standard of being applied to players doing having a economic priority okay. that is not given to other places. And I don't think that's fair. Okay, let me. I want to say that I'm not against players. I know you're not. getting money, whether it's being paid, being bought. I don't care what you call it. I'm not against. Again, them. fair. I, I'm not, not argue. Them. I was arguing semantics. I'm not against them getting money. But what about this? What about this? What about if I'm not going to use a Nigel Pack again? What about if Lachlan Hines, your son? Okay. What if the Lockster signs have would have a chance when he's playing basketball someplace, what if he would have a chance to sign for $400,000, okay, at, at, for somebody to give him $400,000 to go to a school? But, but, and you're telling me, but I'm assuming these athletes who receive money somehow from from organizations, I'm assuming they sign some sort of a contract. I'm assuming what would be 
what would you think if Lachlan's contract would say, if you stay at this university two years or three years, you will get, you will get this money. What do you think about athletes signing about these contracts, these name, image and likeness contracts, including a length of time where, where said athlete has to be at the school. And if not, there's, there's, um, buyout language in there. And if the athlete chooses to leave, there's buyout. Or if the athlete chooses to leave, there's buyout language. If the athlete isn't, goes on to be not as great as what's anticipated and the athlete, the univer, the athlete chooses to leave, then that there's language regarding that in the, in the contract. What about that, Travis? Is that good, bad, indifferent? And I know what you're going to say. Well, I mean, I have two things to say. Like one, if, if that's your contract and you sign it, then you're inclined to abide by the, the clauses of the, the contract. The second thing I would say is that the complexities, the, the gray area, the, the strangeness or the, the, the concern about being players taken advantage of here, you know, that aren't necessarily able to hire representation. Well, I mean, like the reality is too, anybody that's going to get a $400, $400,000 deal is probably hiring an agent. Well, without you can question, they've got representation. Well, I mean, like the, the, the obvious answer here is that you shouldn't be, if these players are economic engines for the university, just like NBA players are economic engines for the NBA and NFL players for the NFL. And as long, I'm interrupting here for a second because I forget what I was going to say. And as long as 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 maybe the NCAA lets players transfer whenever they want to, they're going to be engines to promote the athletes to get more money somewhere else too. Because that can make for one offs at at athletes having one off seasons. I'm sorry. My point is is that it is illogical by any standard that the entity for which these players are driving revenue the most, which is the universities, it's not the one paying them. That's why this is all going to be strange, illogical, backwards, complicated, and opaque as long as the players' main NIL marketing value comes from the fact that they are athletes producing on the field like I don't know that anyone's going to argue that and they're driving revenue for the universities the fact that the universities are not the ones paying them is going to create these strange markets because I would imagine and I'm not a marketer I'm not a business attorney I'm not an agent that a superstar player is worth more to the team and athletic department that he is a part of than he is for the local sandwich shop. You see that in professional ranks where you have the high level players, you have your LeBron James, you have your Tom Brady that may make more money in endorsements than they do in their salary capped leagues that exists. But I doubt that a mid-level player is making more in endorsements than they are from their team. Their main value as professionals is to their team and their leagues. I would imagine that that is the same at the collegiate level, that your average solid player is more valuable in terms of creating revenue for a team program athletic department than he is for selling t-shirts for whoever. And the fact that the 
program that he's driving revenue for cannot or refuses to pay him is going to create these weird third-party markets where they're trying to compensate, where they're acting independent, I'm using air quotes here, of the universities and the programs where they're going to be, in my opinion, compensating these athletes for what they're bringing to the university rather than to what they're bringing to Life Wallet or to you know whatever local business is paying for them. They're going to be getting a premium to keep them in to keep them at these universities rather than to hawk t-shirts or to do charity work. Because like charity work by in and of itself is a non-economic activity. Like the whole point of charity is not to make money and you're paying them. So it, again, it's there's just this this duality here that we're all pretending is normal when it is all a byproduct of the fact that the place where these athletes are generating money is not paying them. Okay, so so and I'm not against, <clears throat> I'm not against the university paying paying the players either. Once the players are already on campus, I'm not I don't have a problem with that. I don't know where the money's coming from. I've heard people talk about universities should pay money. I've never heard of any any kind of equal and fair way that the universe that the why would it be any athletes? different than a professional league you do you split the revenue to whatever so you're degree. gonna pay a tennis player well, you're mean, gonna pay a tennis player the same thing that, that Brees made okay well i'm gonna set title nine aside for one second here. oh just the, for a one second month short of the 50th to, 50th to anniversary a, answer your question to answer your specific <laughs> question if i'm paying them a slice of what they generate for their sports the tennis program does not generate revenue and neither is any other program other than other than both basketballs okay, but and but i'm answering your question in in this scenario no i'm not playing tennis players because tennis players don't generate money okay the football program i think what what did it do revenue in 2019 70 million i think so you're you're splitting the 70 million not the overall athletic department and again i get that that would be complicated because you have donations and but like Again, you're in a multi-billion dollar business. This stuff is not is complicated. Like you and people like Mark Emmert, Jamie Pollard, Gary Barta, all the athletic directors, every mid-level athlete, you know, associate athletic director are getting paid a lot of money to solve complicated problems. I don't have a ton of sympathy for just getting the answer of, well, it's complicated and difficult. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, I get it. It is. But like, let's put our heads together and see what we can figure out. But to now bring Title IX back in, that is the the question that I do not have a ready answer for. I am not an attorney. I don't have a great answer for that, and I don't think anyone wants to or potentially would be willing to sacrifice Title IX in, in the name of paying college athletes. I mean, like, the, the, the other answer here is be, again, all the bemoaning. And I've heard, I think, uh, you know, Jamie Pollard mentioned on uh, – I think it was on this radio station with Murph and Andy about, you know, coaches wanting if, if we're going to be buying players. And I think he used that term again. Well, I'm going to drop down to Division three. I've heard that threat before. Remember when uh, Far West or Mountain West or no, it was Jim Robert? Delaney said the Big Ten yeah. might drop down to Division three. Like, OK, do it. Like, let's see you do that. Like, give up your hundred million dollar uh Athletic departments give up your four million dollar a year contract because the players are getting paid. I'm just, I just don't buy that. So again, like let's the fact that it's a difficult question to solve is not a reason to abdicate responsibility for trying to solve it. And I don't know that we've seen a whole of a whole 
effort to solve these problems. I think we've seen a lot of committee work. I think we've seen a lot of obfuscation. I think we've seen a lot of kicking the can down the alley, and we've seen a lot of hoping the United States government bails out the NCAA with an antitrust exemption. I don't think we've seen a lot of fulsome effort to actually solve this problem in a creative and constructive way by the people that can make the decision. And, you know, I get like if you're an NCAA administrator, if you're an Iowa State, an Iowa, any administrator, and you hear me ranting and raving about solving this problem and not offering concrete solutions, like, okay, I get that. But it's also like I can have a great solution. How am I going to implement it? I'm a Iowa State beat writer for the Des Moines Register. I'm not an NCAA athletic administrator. I'm not a university administrator. It's those people's jobs to see this problem and find a solution. And again, we talked about it last June when we were staring down that July 1 deadline. The fact that the NCAA just put its hands up in the air after a century of amateurism only and just said, we give up, like is an absolute travesty of leadership that there was not any thing other than we hope the federal government bails us out. I mean, that is, to me, I don't know how you can have a lot of complaints when you've had chances to find a solution. Frankly, you've had a lot of half measures you could have taken to forestall this and had it more constructive, but instead we're here and everybody is just bemoaning that this system is out of control. And the system's been out of control for like six months. Let's not get... Too bent out of shape here. All right, so I want to I want to restate that I I agree with 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 what you're saying. Um, athletes should be paid. Do not athletes need to give back a smidge, other than ever, averaging a triple double or, or passing for 400 yards a game? Do they not then have to sign something with the university, if in fact it is the university is paying them, saying that, or does not the university make them? stay more than more than just a year and if the university doesn't have this power why can't the then then the NCAA needs to needs to consider not handing out transfers like like you do on 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 trick or treat why does a I mean, that, that, why would Tyrese does a col- Hunter be transferring right now would Tyrese be transferring right now if the transfer portal wasn't open to one year transfers to to first time transfers you can go anywhere you want to would Nigel Pack be doing be doing that if they could freely transfer if they if they could not freely transfer if they'd have to sit out a year or prove some kind of extenuating circumstances if you got a, which maybe Tyrese could like, like if, if you got a know. job at ESPN.com or Sports Illustrated would you have to sit out a year? Well, so I guess like I you said, why would they have to? They don't have to. I guess like, what's the difference? Between I don't know. That? I don't, maybe the ramifications of being on a scholarship or, or is in there somewhere. You can be on a one year scholarship if they want to make again like. Is there a perfect solution? No, there's give no. and takes to all of yeah. this. Like, just because there are, but the, why we are there sacrifices you, to get one thing? You have to sacrifice another. I don't know why that invalidates the whole. Like, it's it's up to people to make their decisions on like what is valuable to them. Okay, go, uh, go to the go to my point about about then the NCAA g- taking back the one year free free transfer. Would that slow it down any? Yeah, but again, my what is the the goal here to to slow down the transfer portal or to be equitable to the players? Well, let's face it, the goal is getting an education, but that yeah, that okay. left a long time ago. I know, 
I know. Um, Again, these are complicated issues. I guess we're looking at this largely through the lens of the way college sports have been for the last 125 years. And my point is, is like once we've gotten to this point where the money is where it is, is it more appropriate to look at this as amateur athletics or is it more appropriate to look at as tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, and as an industry, multiple billions of dollars industry and the players being a huge part of creating that revenue. It's, yeah, it's certainly not amateur athletics anymore, but yeah. And, um, yeah, and I agree. The, the, the and again, like the, the NCAA pay. and its member institutions at any time could stop signing contracts with television companies, give back the hundreds of millions of dollars, and do amateur athletics. There's well, nothing stopping them from doing say, that. Yeah, that they, is their choice. Obviously, they're not going to do that. So like, just the way they're not going to do that, then let's not pretend that the the money isn't the reason why so much of this exists. But I, I, my point, my point has been throughout this whole thing is it's 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 um it's more complicated than just saying the universities need to pay without a doubt. I mean, we're trying is, to we're trying to throw out. It is you know undoubtedly it, an immensely complex, yeah. complicated issue. We'll talk about something a little less complicated and complex when we I'm come back. I'm glad you're back. With the Iowa State men's basketball roster situation in light of Tyrese Hunter's transfer and a number of players coming in when we come back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you miss us talking about the NFL draft or Tyrese Hunter and name, image, and likeness, be sure to check us out wherever you listen to your podcast. We will wrap up here now talking more about Otzelberger's men's basketball roster You know, amid the departure of Tyrese Hunter and the incoming transfers of Hassan Ward from VCU, Jaron Williams from St. Bonaventure, and Jeremiah Williams from Temple. You know, Randy, I, I do have to joke that the number one thing I said when I wrote after the season ended that Iowa State needed to do was add shooting, and uh, they've added two guards that did not shoot 30% from three last year. So my number one priority has not come to fruition yet for Iowa State. Um, I think, you know, the guy that we didn't list that I think a lot of people are assuming is a significant option going forward is A.J. Green, the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year and son of Iowa State. Assistant coach Kyle Green, who's going through the NBA draft process right now. Um, we can talk about that uh, you know, if we have time, but I think you know, look at this transfer roster coming in, and it'll be interesting to see what Iowa State does. I, to me, I look at the numbers. I'm, again, I'm not going to pretend to have watched VCU, St. Bonaventure, Temple a lot last year, but looking at the numbers, I think the blueprint – for Iowa State is pretty obvious that it's the same as last year. Offense is going to be, uh, should I say, a work in progress? Is that fair or generous enough? And they're going <laughs> to hang their hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it very well could be. And they're going to hang their hat on their defensive identity. It worked last year. Again, we'll see this year. I think you really have to divorce last season from your expectations for 22-23, in my opinion. Iowa State lost its point guard, and it's getting younger. That's usually not a recipe for improvement in the Big 12. We'll see, and obviously this staff and this program gets a lot of leeway and a lot of benefit of the doubt with what they did last year. But if you look at this independent of that, 
it, it looks just again on paper. You get younger and you lose your point guard. You usually don't get better. And who's the point guard? I mean, they're, they're, let's say <laughs> that's it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Jeremiah yeah. Williams. I was just presumably, say Jeremiah Williams or Containment play that. Play that. Containment Lipsy. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah. Again, do you want to? We've seen freshmen play before in the Big Twelve, and you've got national championship Kansas coming back, and you know for running for make a run for a second national championship in a row. But yeah, it's um, and they've got two scholarships open, like you said. So we'll see what. We'll see what they do there. Um, um, I yeah, I don't know. This team better play defense. I know. I know that. Um, unless we get some 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 surprises from the shooting end, and I don't know. Maybe Gabe. Maybe Gabe will come back to to play like he did. You obviously like can't count on it though. No, right? no, you yeah, can't yeah, count yeah. on any of this. You have to assume he's going to be a twenty five percent three. Yeah, but you can't count because he's cannot, done it for three years in a right. row now. I mean, I, I would assume that that they'll instill with Jazz and shoot more, shoot more three pointers. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, like if they... He was the best shooter last year, or the best... They're able to yeah. have the identity that they had last year. Like, I don't think... I thought last year's team could be, like, a four-win team. I think if they have the ability to buy in an identity and the ability to craft an identity like they did last season, like this team's going to scrap and it's going to compete, and you, then you see where the chips fall. And I think that is part of a larger discussion when you lose a player like Tyrese for the reasons that you presumably did. I think the larger discussion is, can you get players like Tyrese that have potential NBA, obvious potential NBA futures, and can you retain them? At barely six foot, but yeah. Yeah. And if you can't, or you think that's going to be more difficult, then you're going to have to win not on talent and potential so much as you are going to on age, experience, cohesion, identity, a lot more of the intangible things than the we're going to outskill and outshoot you. Yeah, and, and coaching. Don't forget coaching. Without a doubt. Um, and again, um, like you get, you give TJ Otzelberger, his staff, and his team as much benefit of the doubt as you possibly can give after what they accomplished last year. Like you can't take anything off the table for what this team can be no, when we all. saw what happened last year. Okay, but I think and the question I, is is that repeatable or was that catching lightning in a bottle? And Iowa State, does Iowa State have to do something different? Um, because now the book's out on Iowa State, they, you know, because as you said, they, all you have to do is look at the stats, uh, the past stats. This team, if this team shoots well from three point range, it, it's that's they're not going to. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yes, that would be a surprise. Uh, maybe they can. Hopefully, they can. Those games are fun. Um, but uh, right now, so the books out on Iowa State, they've got to come up with something. They're, they've got to play better defense than the wonderful defense they played last year, for example. Man, if the bar is you have to be better than, I think they ended like fifth nationally in adjusted defense you got to be better than that so well you've got to be right there okay let me back up you've got to be right there then if your expectation is to go back to the ncaa tournament the bar's right there in first year after going two and 22 yeah see i mean that the bars that that is the double-edged sword i don't think that's a fair expectation but i under of course it's but i understand why it will be the expectations in some corners it's not a fair expectation whatsoever yeah but i have a roster turnover and no point guard you're right yeah no as of now not yeah, a Tyrese Hunter like, but I, I that's you know. what I mean. You and I were having this discussion into February and March that you take whatever you can get the success that you can get out of that first year. Because, Without question, you know, I was talking to one assistant coach about you know Iowa State. You know, frankly, was not as good as they to the level of success they achieved. And the coach was like, however, which way you get there, you made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Those don't come along often, so you take those any way you can get them. And, but the, the flip side to that coin is, is now, okay, what next? Uh, you know, that's the natural 
question and natural progression for any program. And we'll see. Again, I think tempered expectations are probably fair, uh, but I understand if that's not going to be the case in every uh, corner of fandom and punditry, but we'll see. And there's still roster to fill out. If AJ Green's on this roster, that changes your your view of it. If they find another transfer of an I, Isaiah Brockington caliber, well, they don't have a score. That's yeah, a good I mean, point like, too. There's, there's we a talk lot, about there's, Tyrese, but who's going to be the leading scorer? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways for this to go. And certainly, again, when you saw what they did with that roster, both from the, the coaching standpoint and the players coming together, uh, you, you certainly don't want to. Uh, Make the same mistake again, thinking they were going to not be very good, and, and to see, see how they did, how they played against Wisconsin and LSU in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's yeah. By golly, anything's possible. We'll see what happens. Um, what's going to happen for us isn't right now. Is we're going to wrap up. Randy, good to be back. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you allowed me back onto your radio program. <laughs> Thanks for having you. <laughs> this yeah. has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.